0: We are in Second Timothy chapter two. We go if you're new here to Capella Chapel. We go verse by verse through the entire New Testament on Sunday mornings, and we're in a great section of Scripture this morning. And what we saw last week, if you remember, in Second Timothy chapter two, the first half of the chapter, we saw our job description as Christians. We saw that we have got a job to do. What's our job? What's your job, man? Christians, what's your job? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Mark sixteen fifteen. We saw last week our job is to go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that God's commanded us. We saw last, last week our job. Our job is follow Christ, and he says, and I will make you fishers of men. we got a job to do. Eternity's at a stake for people's lives, souls. We saw last week those that are wise win souls. So we saw a part of our job description last week is we have to have these things that we are, who we are in our job description, what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. We saw last week, our job description says very simply, we're supposed to be strong in God's grace, right? We're people that are not only saved by grace, but we live in grace and we're a gracious people because of God's grace in our lives. We saw last week too, that we're supposed to be soldiers for Christ. And what do soldiers do? We don't get entangled in all the worldly stuff around us. We, 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 we're not civilians we're soldiers we're not on vacation for 70, 80 years news notice guys we're not here on vacation, we're in a war We talked about that last week and what soldiers do is they fight to win the war and as Paul said we have fought the, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the course I've kept the faith, we're soldiers we also saw last week we're athletes what do athletes do? athletes compete according to the rules and what's our rule book right here, the word of God and athletes discipline themselves to run the race in such a way that they're going to win. We saw last week, too, where farmers, what do farmers do? Can you say food, crops, harvest? They bring in the Harvest. We, t- we talked about last week that we're, our job is to bring in the harvest of souls for the kingdom of God. And I believe, the Lord is speaking to me lately, that we're going to see a harvest this year at Calvary Chapel like we've never seen before. It's going to be the year of the harvest where we're doing the farming and we're bringing in the, the harvest for the kingdom of God this year. And we also saw last, last week, interesting, we saw that we're going to have to, if we're going to be the Christians we're called to be, the job description we're supposed to have, we, we have to endure hardship trusting in God's faithfulness. Because that last verse from last week said, even when we're faithless, he is faithful because he cannot deny himself. And so as, as, as soldiers, athletes, farmers, people strong in grace, we have to endure trusting in God's faithfulness. Now, here's what Paul's going to do, transition in the second half. He's going to give to Timothy some principles for Holiness. 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 So you say, oh, holiness. I don't want preacher to talk about holiness. So yeah, you do. You know why? Because I've said it before. You've heard me say it before. Some of you have been here for a while. Holiness leads to happiness. Did you know that? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, it says, blessed, literally translated, oh, how happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Happiness. Holiness leads to Happiness. And you want to have more happiness in your life? You want more joy in your life? Live a holy life. Why? Because we were created to live in God's image. And sin has scarred that. Sin, sin, sin has messed up the image of God in us. But when we come to Christ and we start living right, we start living according to his image again. And we start firing on all eight cylinders the way we are supposed to live. We were created to live. And when we start living the way we were created to live, that will lead to satisfaction. That will lead to holiness. That will lead to blessing. So holiness leads to happiness. And so if you want more happiness, you want more joy in your life, live, live a holy life. And we're going to see Paul lay out some principles this morning on holiness. I don't know about you, but I look back on my Christian pilgrimage, the times I've been the most happy, the times when I'm getting it right. I'm living in obedience to God. and I'm living according to what he's teaching me in his word. I'm not just being a hearer of the word, I'm being a doer of the word. I'm living it out. Now, does that mean I'm perfect? No. Oh, Pastor John struggles every day. It's a war going on. We are soldiers, and we have battles. All of us do. But we're to be seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness so he can add all things. What does that mean? We're to be seeking means we're to be pursuing his kingdom and his righteousness. We're to be pursuing holiness. And I'm going to give you some principles this morning from Paul's pen and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that will help all of us, I think, live a more happy and holy life. Amen? Amen? So let's dig right in. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to see some principles for holiness threaded throughout this chapter as we go through it. Chapter 2 verse 14 is where we left off at. If you're there, say amen. Here we go. Remind them of these things, Timothy and solemnly charge them in the presence of God. Now, remember context again. Timothy's a pastor. It's a pastoral epistle. He's on. The, he's in the city of Ephesus. It's 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 the flagship church for the Roman Empire. Paul has passed the baton of the leadership of that church to Timothy. He's pastoring that church. Paul's in prison, and he's passing the baton of basically his ministry in Second Timothy to Timothy. So he says, remind those people in Ephesus of these things. And I solemnly charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God, not to wrangle about words. The word wrangle means to strive about words, to get involved with insignificant things, things that aren't important, to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent. This is one of my life verses, verse 15, great verse. Be diligent, Timothy, to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed Handling accurately the word of truth. Now, another version says study to show yourself approved. And another version says we're to rightly divide. When it says accurately handling the word of truth, it's a a, a farming term, and it's a term for cutting straight. Like when you're cutting straight the, um, the crops for a harvest, you're cutting it straight and you're plowing straight. And what Paul's telling Timothy, when you get into God's word, cut it straight, man. And he says be diligent too. To accurately handle God's word, it's a life verse for me because one of my desires and goals and purposes for being your pastor is I want to cut it straight. I want to divide the word accurately. I don't. I want to accurately handle the word of God, so I won't be ashamed when I face a holy God one day, and He says, "What'd you teach my people?" I said, "Right, right here. Taught them your word." I try to give them the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me, God, and to rightly divide the word of truth. And that should be the goal of every Christian, not just pastors, every Christian. You should have a goal to be diligent in your study of God's word and to rightly divide God's word and to study God's word, and that'll help you live a holy life. Verse 16, But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Another version translates gangrene as cancer. Do you know false teaching and improper dividing of God's Word and the false doctrines that flow through the church are just like winds blowing through the church oftentimes, it can spread like gangrene. I've seen that in my time in being a Christian and being a ministry. It seems like the false doctrines get flying through the church a lot faster than the true doctrines. And you've got to be careful with false teaching because it describes false teaching here as gangrene. It's cancer. What does cancer do? It makes you sick and it could kill you. Be careful of false teachings like gangrene or cancer. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. Interesting, Paul's not afraid to call out these false teachers. He names them because he was warning the people to stay away from those false teachers. Verse 18, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and thus they upset the faith of some. Here's the first principle for holiness. Well, live a holy life. You got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And what's the main thing? Right here, God's word. God's word has to be central in your faith, and not the weird, latest, greatest doctrines that are blowing through the church. Church, keep the word of God as the central basis for what you believe, what you practice, and what you live by. It's very important. Be Bereans. Acts 17, 11, it says the Bereans study the Scriptures themselves to, and search the Scriptures themselves to see if what even the Apostle Paul was saying was true. You know what my goal as a pastor is? My goal is to teach you in such a way that Sunday mornings, or Mike's goal on Wednesday night, I think is the same, Saturday mornings, breakfast, small groups. Our goal is in getting you in God's Word, We're just a Sunday morning for me is just an appetizer, just a launching pad. My goal is as you get a taste of God's word here on Sunday morning you get hungry for it you want to you become a student of God's word yourself i want you to be self-feeding christians yourself because that'll lead to a holy life what did jesus said you shall know the truth and what will the truth do the truth will set you free I like what it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 14 about this. It says, This I've written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you're strong. And why are they strong? Because the word of God abides in you. And what happens when the word of God abides in you? And you overcome the evil one. You want to live a holy life. You want the happiness that comes from holiness? Be diligent in your study of God's Word. Study to show yourself approved. A workman who need not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Get a hunger for God's Word and feed on it. And it'll set you free. It'll help you overcome the evil one. It'll give you victory in your life. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. Thy word have I treasured in my heart that I what? That I might not sin against you. That's one of the purposes of God's Word. You're washed, you're cleansed by the water of the Word. And it's not just Sunday morning, it's not just Wednesday night, it's not just a small group, it's a daily discipline of cutting straight the Word of God and letting it get into the DNA of your life, and then it'll change your life. It will. I remember when it happened to me. I got saved and I started going to this Friday night Dr. Dave Bible study. Dr. Dave was a genius. The guy was one of the smartest men I've ever known. He had a doctorate in metallurgical engineering. I don't even know what that is. But he had this doctorate in metallurgical engineering, and then he got called into the ministry, went to seminary, got his seminary degree and stuff, and he came back, and he was a Bible college professor. But what he did is he memorized every single chapter, or what he did is he outlined every chapter of the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, outlined every chapter, and then he memorized every outline. We'd go to his house on Friday nights, and we'd have a Q&A with Dr. Dave, and we'd ask him any question we were struggling with spiritually, wanted answers on, and he would answer our questions from Genesis to Revelation, just from memory of what he had outlined up here. And I'll never forget, because he'd, he wouldn't just quote the Gospel of John, he'd quote Habakkuk, and I'd go, I don't even, I can't even find Habakkuk, and he's quoting it. I didn't even know at the time that Habakkuk was a book. He's quoting it. and You know what happened? As I was taught God's Word by Dr. Dave on that Friday night Bible study, it, it, it gave, I saw his love and passion for God's Word and how his life was godly because of God's Word in his life, and it gave me a hunger for God's Word. And As I hungered for God's Word and studied to show myself and prove myself in God's Word, I saw my life changing because God's Word started getting in me and changing me. Same thing happened as I started the ministry, and I started listening to Pastor Chuck, founder of Calvary Chapel, on the K-Wave when I was out in Southern California. It's the Wave of Living Water radio station, amazing radio station, constant, 24-7 of Calvary Chapel teachers teaching through the Bible, including Pastor Chuck. And I started listening every day to Pastor Chuck on the radio, and then I got my cassettes. I got a whole wall full of cassettes from Genesis to Revelation, and Pastor Chuck taught me through the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation. And as I studied God's word with Pastor Chalk, my life just got better. It got more holy. Got more like Christ because I was studying to show myself approved, a workman who need not be ashamed. Accurately handling God's word. Why do we do so many Bible studies around here at Calvary Chapel? We got Bible studies every night of the week. We got Saturday morning Bible studies, Thursday night Bible studies, Wednesday night Bible studies. I mean, we got Bible studies on Sunday nights. We got, we got Bible studies all the time. Why do we do all that? Are we worshiping the Bible? No, we're not worshiping the Bible. We're hearing from God and His voice and the Word of God, and it's changing our lives. And I want a bunch of church people, uh, I want you all to be people of the Word so we're not just. For, for, first-base Christians. We're not just decisions, we're disciples. Disciples of Christ that are growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and becoming more like Jesus. And we do that through the study of God's Word. How can again, how could a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to that Word. Thy Word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Amen? So the first principle of holiness, be people of the Word and keep the main thing the main thing, which is the Word of God. Amen? Now let's go on in our verses. And it says this, Nevertheless, verse 19, the firm foundation of God stands, having the seal. Notice what he says, The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord abstain from what? There it is, holiness. Abstain from wickedness. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, some to honor, some to dishonor. Therefore, if any man cleanses himself from these things, he'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. You see the holiness in there? And notice, go back to the beginning of those verses again. It says, the Lord knows those who are his. And how does he know those who are his? By those who abstain from wickedness. You want to know if you're really saved? If you're really one of His? Here's the question. Are you abstaining from wickedness? Are you living a sanctified life? I'm not talking about perfect. I'm not talking about that, you, you know, you got it all together and you're perfect and you never struggle you never sin. If you say you never struggle, you never sin, you're struggling because you're a liar. That's what Scripture says. If you say you're without sin, you're a liar. And you're calling God a liar because God says all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. I'm saying that if you're one of His, you've been given the Holy Spirit and you have a desire now in your life to abstain from wickedness. What does that mean? Repent. The word repent, metanoia in the Greek, it means you've had a change of mind that's led to a change in direction in your life. And if you're still living... In sexual immorality, say you're living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you're coming to church, but you're living with your boyfriend and your girlfriend, that's a sign you're not abstaining from wickedness and you better repent. You're still going out on the weekends and getting drunk every weekend. Praise the Lord on Sunday, but on Saturday, man, I'm at the bar and I'm going for it. Hey, you need to repent because those who name the name of the Lord abstain from wickedness. If you're still swearing like a sailor, And every other word that comes out of your mouth is filth. Hey, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. You need to repent. And one of the signs that you're one of His is you're abstaining from wickedness, you're done with it. Remember when it happened to me, too? After I started getting in the Word and got saved, God just started changing me. And I just changed. And it wasn't me, it was the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit started leading me to stop going to the drunken parties on the weekend and going to Bible studies and church instead on the weekends. And I remember that after changing associations like that and stuff, I started to stop getting drunk. I just stopped. Because the Holy Spirit was saying this is abstain from that. Stop. You're done with that stuff. Stop smoking marijuana. And I stopped. I even, (laughs) I showed this in the last service, I even broke up with my girlfriend on prom night because she wanted to party. And I said, I'm done with that, we got an argument. Guys, that's the worst thing you could do. Bad, bad, if you're a teenager, don't break up with your your boyfriend or girlfriend on prom night. And then she lived 45 minutes away and I had this old station wagon that didn't have a radio that works and I had to drive her 45 minutes home. It was like I was in a freezer for 45 minutes. She was grabbing that side of the car, and I was grabbing this side. I said, like, get this over with, Lord. <laughs> but the reason why we broke up is I was done. It's done, done, finished, abstain. If you want to know you're the, the Lord's, then abstain from wickedness. Get done with things you should be done with. And then it says, after being abstaining from wickedness, then it says this. Then it says, and cleanse yourself abstain and cleanse. If you want to be holy, abstain, be done with the stuff you should be done with, and then cleanse. How do we cleanse? There's a number of ways we cleanse ourselves from wickedness. Hey, one of the ways is just uh, 1 John 1, nine. In our prayer times, in our quiet times, we come to his throne of grace, and we admit what we're struggling with, and we confess it. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And what will he do? He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And a part of living in holiness is we keep short accounts with God, and when we mess up, and we will, we come in our next time of prayer, and we confess, we agree with God that it was wrong, and we ask His forgiveness, and we repent. And then God will cleanse us. Another way we receive cleansing, too, is confession to each other. The Bible says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. And there's power in that. There's power of freedom in, in confessing your sins to a trusted brother and sister of Christ, asking them to pray for you, and it will release things and help you get victory. Another way we're cleansed, I already quoted Ephesians 5.26, is be people of the Word that get recalibrated by God's Word because we're washed by the water of the Word, right? And so abstain... Be done with it. Repent in areas that you repent and then cleanse through confession to God and to others and cleanse by the word of God, cleansing you from things you need to be cleansed of. Now notice the analogy that's in here too. It says that there's good vessels, honorable vessels in a great house, and there's dishonorable vessels. And what that's saying is there was vessels in a wealthy house. They had vessels of gold and silver, gold goblets and silver plates or silver silverware and, the, and, the, and that was used for honorable purposes when special guests of honor were there, they'd bring out the best and then it says there's also dishonorable vessels earthenware, in that culture in that time, oftentimes the dishonorable vessels were like boxes that people, be honest with you here, would use for refuse garbage whatever else, earthenware stuff and then they just throw it out the earthenware And you know what? What God's saying is he wants us to be honorable vessels. What does that mean? It means we're people that it says right here that are sanctified, prepared for every good work, and are holy. Why is that important? Because as we become holy, we become useful in God's hands. We become instruments he can use because we're living the way we're supposed to live as Christians and sons and daughters of God. Holy people are useful people prepared for every good work. And I like that because I want to be useful. I, the older I get, the more that saying rings in my ears. I only have one life to live and it will soon be passed and only what I do for Christ is going to last. And if we want to be useful vessels in the hands of our creator, we've got to be people that are sanctified, vessels of honor, prepared for every good work. So second principle for holiness, abstain and cleanse. Abstain from wickedness and cleanse yourself from the things you need to uh, cleanse yourself of through confession and through the cleansing of God's Word. Now, go on. Verse 22. Now, here it is. Another principle for holiness. Now, flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a what? Pure heart. Here's Here's the third principle for holiness. Very important. Flee, and then pursue. Flee from what? Youthful lust. Well, <laughs> I'm not youthful anymore. I'm in my 50s. Doesn't apply to me. Only you teenagers, you young people, and this is a verse for you guys. No, that's not true. Guys, do so you notice that even as we get older, there's still the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life? David, King David, he didn't get in the major trouble with lust and adultery till he was in his 50s with Bathsheba, and he was retired from battle. and He's up on his, on his palace, and he fell into adultery because of the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. We need to continue, even as we get older, to flee. Now, what does it mean to flee youthful lusts? Well, youthful lust, again, is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life, and what Satan wants to do is he wants to trap us in our lust. The word lust, they're interesting. It means this. A desire or passion that's outside of God's boundaries. And they're dangerous. They're dangerous. I've been in the ministry now for 35 years. And I've seen the danger of youthful lusts. I've seen the danger to marriages, to families, to parents because of youthful lusts. Now, flee, what does that word mean? The word flee, an interesting word, it means run. <laughs> That's what it means. It doesn't mean fight. It doesn't mean fight. Joseph, when he was, was uh, being seduced by Potiphar's wife in the book of Genesis, and she came to him while the house was all empty, he was a teenager away from his home in a foreign land, and she said, lie with me. Did Joseph fight that? No, he got out of Dodge, man, so fast she, he let her take his coat, and he ran out of that house. Flee! The word flee there, literally translated, run from danger. Danger. give you an illustration of that. We just got this whole mess with Iran and assassinating their general or whatever else like that. What if I told you in the next 30 seconds there was going to be a bomb from Iran that's going to blow up this entire building in the next 30 seconds? Would you just sit there and just kind of hang out and see what's going on? You'd run! And I tell you what, we'd have a mass exodus, out, all the all, seven or eight exits. You'd be flying through the door. You'd be running. Why? Because you're about to get killed and bombed. The An analogy is this. Satan's goal is to kill, steal, and destroy you. And you need to run. Don't fight. Don't flirt. Run from youthful lust. Because again, I've seen it. I've seen youthful lust, not just with men either, with women too. I've seen marriages destroyed, families obliterated, and kids devastated because the mom or the dad gave in to youthful lust. And God's speaking to some of you here this morning. You've been flirting with that too much. Stop flirting with youthful lust, flee. Run from it because it's dangerous. Run from the danger. Now, the word pursue, interesting. The word pursue, you know what it means? Run! But it's a different Greek word. It doesn't mean run from danger, it means run to safety. Do you know the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to the Lord? And if you want to have holiness, you not only need to run away from youthful lust, you need to pursue and run towards the safety of those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. It says we're supposed to run to righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is a spirit of obedience where you put the breastplate of righteousness on and you say, I'm gonna be obedient in these areas of my life. We're supposed to run to righteousness. We're supposed to love. run to peace we have peace with God and peace with other people. We're supposed to run to love. Why is love important in holiness? Because if you really love God and you love other people, you're going to keep his commandments. That's a part of love. And I think it was Martin Luther that said this. He said, love God, love people, and do whatever else you want. Because if you love, truly love God and love people, you're going to do the commandments of God. So we're to be people that run towards righteousness, faith, love, peace, with those who call upon the Lord, notice, with a pure heart. Here's another principle there in there. Not only to run to the safety of righteousness, love, peace, but we're also to do it with others. I'm supposed to do it with those that call upon the Lord with a pure heart. Why is fellowship so important? Because there's a synergy when you get together with other people and you build friendship and relationships and have connection with other people that love Jesus and are running towards righteousness, faith, love, and peace also. There's a power in that. As iron sharpens iron, so one man what? Sharpens another, Right? And you, get a, you get in connection with other people that love God and are fleeing from youthful lust and they're running towards righteousness, faith, love and peace in a pure heart. What happens is there's a power in that and that's why it says let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembly together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more what? As the day draws near. I love German shepherds. I don't have a German Shepherd right now. i got two labs, but I love German Shepherds. Still my favorite dog. One of the reasons why I love German Shepherds, because they're smart. They're one of the smartest dogs you can have. They're amazing, and they're very trainable. German Shepherds, one of the reasons why the canine units and the uh, military and the police forces oftentimes have German Shepherds is because not only they're smart, but they're very trainable. You could train them to do just about anything. You could train them to even sniff out drugs in the airport. It's amazing how smart these dogs are. Love German Shepherds. They're great watchdogs, too. But you know, if you take a German Shepherd that's been trained, it has been domestic, can do all kinds of tricks, you take a German Shepherd and you put them in a forest with wolves, and they have connection with wolves, and that's their main connection, guess what that German Shepherd becomes like? Becomes like a wolf. Same with us we could have all the christianese language right we can understand even the scriptures we could be in church but if our main connection is with wolves we don't have connection with godly people and our main friendship and association is with lost people that are just living for the world lust of the eyes lust of the flesh living in wickedness and that's your main connections you're in trouble because it says 1st corinthians 15:33 bad company corrupts good morals and so we need to be people that take fellowship seriously. We get in fellowship, we stay in fellowship. We have friends that love God and are pursuing holiness because there's a synergy in that. There's a power in that. There's, there's a help in that to be a holy people. You can't do it Lone Ranger Christianity. It doesn't work. I've never met a growing Christian that's living a holy life and pursuing holiness that's in isolation by themselves and have, has nothing but wicked connections, not godly connections. Amen? We need each other. We need the fellowship of one another. It'll help us to be holy. And that's why we're to be people that flee, flee from youthful lust, but we pursue righteousness, love, peace with, notice, with those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. And then it closes up the section here, verse 23. But refuse, Timothy, refuse foolish and ignorant speculations knowing that they produce quarrels. And I like this, verse 24. It's instruction to me, too. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong. No, context, again, this is a pastoral epistle. He's talking to Timothy as a pastor. He says, Timothy, don't get in arguments with these people that want to argue all the time. Lord's Lord's bondservant's not quarrelsome. Be kind to them. Be even patient with them. Why? Because with gentleness, verse 25, you'll be correcting those who are in opposition if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil having been held captive by him to do his will. Why should we be patient with people that are opposing us? Why should we be kind to people that are quarreling with us? Because we want them to come to their senses and repent. And in their opposition, if you're kind and you're gentle and you're just correcting them with a spirit of gentleness and love, there's a good chance they might come to Christ. You know, I, I look back on the guy that was witnessing to me and I'm kind of embarrassed thinking about the arguments I got in that guy with him. I, I remember it. I remember him walking home with, for six months from school with me with the purpose of leading me to Christ, and I argue with him all the time. I, I said, why do you keep telling me about the Bible? The Bible's full of contradictions. I remember saying that to him. And then he asked me, point blank, he said, well, what other contradictions? And I go, I don't know, but I've been told it's full of contradictions. And then I said, and why do you keep saying you've got to live this way or this way and, and be godly in these areas and stuff? And I said, that's just antiquated. You're living in a time past. And I think back of the stuff I said to him, and you know what he did? He just kept patiently correcting me, giving me God's word, telling me about Jesus, and continued to love me. I praise God for him. I praise God he didn't give up on me. Here's the last principle for holiness. Keep serving Christ and people, and it'll help you be holy. See, it's easy to give up. It's easy to give up on extended family members that every time we get together for Thanksgiving and Christmas, they give you a hard time about your Christianity. It's easy to give up on those people at work that, man, they're calling you Holy Joe or Holy Mary and giving you a hard time and, and just, you know, you just want to say, I'm done with these people. Don't do that. Because someone wasn't done with you. They kept witnessing to you, they kept praying for you, they kept trying to lead you to Christ. And guess what? It worked. But when we're correcting people, especially people out there in the world, you know what it's saying there? Do it with, with gentleness. Do it with patience. Hang in there with them. Don't give up and don't give in. And then correct them in such a way that you're not beating them over the head with the Bible. Have you you seen people like that? As soon as someone's wrong, it's bam with the Scriptures. Don't do that. Be patient. Be kind. Be gentle. We're supposed to, 1 Peter 3.15 says we're supposed to give people Uh, a, a defense of what we believe and the hope that's within us. But at the end of that verse, it says we're to do it with gentleness and respect. Here's what happens. You keep serving the Lord... You keep ministering in his name. You keep, uh, even when people are opposing you, you keep serving in that way. It'll keep you on your toes. And what I've seen, even in our U turn ministry, as our guys get through U turn, a lot of them come back in phase two or whatever, and they want to do ministry because they know they want to serve and help the ministry that set them free. But they also want to serve people in the ministry. And as they do that, that keeps them holy because they're still serving. They're serving. They're not giving up. They're serving. And that's a part of living a holy life is serving. So my life verse, one of my other life verses is 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. It says, therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding, what? In the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil on the Lord is what? It's not in vain. You know what that's saying? Heaven's watching. Heaven's seeing everything you do for the kingdom. And one day, as you faithfully serve, even to the end, you're going to see the God that created you face to face. And my goal, my heart, from not only me, but for each one of us, is that we'll hear those words. That's it. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of your master. So church, you want to be holy, keep serving. Even when there's Opposition. Keep serving patiently with love. Keep serving people out there that are even opposing you. They'll keep you holy. One of the things Heidi and I do before we go to bed every night is we uh, do devotions. And the last year we've been doing the Billy Graham devotions. And I love it because it's Billy Graham, just one or two verses on the top, and then a whole devotion by him. And what it does is it's giving me a little bit more of a peek into Billy Graham's life. One of the things I see about Billy Graham that was amazing to me and still is amazing to me is for 60-plus years, maybe 70 years, the guy was just a servant. And he had opposition. He had newspapers attacking him. He had reporters looking for dirt on him. He had people just opposing him, left and right. He even had really strict legalistic Christians judging him and giving him a hard time because his crusades would be open to everybody. But you know what Billy Graham did? He just kept serving And it kept him holy, too. And to the point that I read just recently that when he got into his 90s, he got bedridden, and he couldn't even go out of the house. He was stuck in his bed all day. So you know what Billy Graham did? As he was in his 90s, stuck in his bed all day long, he invited pastors to come and just pray with him in his room while he was bedridden because he wanted to keep serving. Boy, I wish I heard about that before he died because I would have put the hoppy press on I would have found a way for me to get ministered to by Billy Graham! Yeah, but that's his heart. He just kept serving, and it kept him holy. And when Billy Graham entered eternity, I could see I could see all of heaven giving him a reception, and Jesus Himself saying to Billy, "Well done, good and faithful servant. You farm boy from Charlotte, North Carolina, enter now into the joy of your Master." Holiness leads to happiness. What are the principles we learned this morning. We'll throw them up on the screen, help you recap what we learned this morning. Number one, if you want to be holiness, principles for holiness, the first thing we saw this morning is keep the main thing, what? And what's the main thing? It's God's Word. Be a student of God's Word, diligently studying God's Word so you'll rightly divide, and God's Word will help you. It'll set you free, and it'll keep you free. Number two, We saw this morning, after keeping the main thing, the main thing, abstain from what? Wickedness and cleanse yourself from wickedness through confession and through the cleansing of God's word. Number three, we saw flee, flee what? Run from the danger of youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace corporately with those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. Flee and pursue. And then number four, Keep serving the Lord. Can I get an amen, church? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that your word helps us, Lord. And as we rightly divide your word, as we meditate on your word, as we study your words, as as we get your word into our hearts, that truth has the potential of setting us free. Lord, help us to be people that are not only saved, but people that are pursuing righteousness people that are seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness so you can add all things unto us, Lord. Father, I pray for all of us this morning that we would be people that are fleeing from youthful lusts and pursuing righteousness, love, peace with those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. God, forgive us. Forgive us for those times we fail. Forgive us for those times we don't flee from youthful lusts, we flirt with them. Forgive us for those things that are in our lives that we need to stop doing, Lord. Forgive us for those things we need to abstain from, Lord. And I pray that today might be a turning point, God. I pray for anybody here, all of us, really, that we would have a new heart that says, I'm done. I'm going to repent of those things that are just holding me in captivity. The truth is going to set me free in this area, and I'm done. I'm repenting. If you're here this morning, there's something you've been battling with that's just been, been holding you in prison. May, be, may today be a day where you say, I'm done. I'm going to repent in that area of my life. And if there's people here that have been flirting with youthful lusts, whether it be inappropriate relationships at work and you're married, whether it be things you're allowing your eyes or your ears to let into your vessel. Whatever it is, God knows what's going on. God loves you. God wants to set you free. And so may today be a day where you just confess it, bring it to the throne of grace, say, Lord, I'm sorry. Sorry for the way I haven't been abstaining from wickedness and I haven't been fleeing from youthful lust. And today I make a new commitment. I'm done. I'm going to abstain from that. I repent. And I confess it to you, God. And I ask for your power, God, to set me free in these areas. If you're here this morning, you need to do that. Just do that in your heart. God will hear your heart, your prayers in your heart. And he will set you free. Lord, help us to be people, too, that don't quit. That don't give up when there's opposition. That just keep on keeping on and fighting the good fight, finishing the course and keeping the faith, Lord. I pray for all of us that, uh, that have family members that might be even opposing what we believe and what we stand for. Help us to not give up on them. Help us to keep loving them patiently, patiently sharing with them, witnessing to them, and praying for them, God. Help us to keep serving, Lord. Help us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our toil in the Lord is not in vain, God. Give us a new fortitude, Lord, to keep on keeping on. Father, thank you for your word. It's so rich. There's so much in these verses. And now, Lord, help us not to just hear your word. Help us to do it this week, Lord. I pray for victory this week. Where there hasn't been victory in some people's lives in this room, I pray this week would be a week of victory, God. A week of breakthrough where they get victory in areas they need victory in. Help them to help all of us to have the wisdom to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Help us to live in wisdom. Help us to have the skill of saying yes to the spirit and no to the flesh. Help us to be those people that again are abstaining from wickedness and pursuing righteousness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen.